Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Jeff Dahl, Senior Pastor of Stockbridge Community Church. I want to say thank you for joining us online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our Sunday services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply click the Give Online link at the upper right-hand corner in your web browser. And let me say it again, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, good morning, everybody, and Happy Easter. I see some good-looking people here. Just smile at the person and say, he's talking about me. Just go ahead and tell him that right now. It's so good to see you here. We're delighted that you are here on this Easter Sunday. We're beginning a brand new series uh, today called Let Hope In. And I would like to uh, teach you today, or the topic I'd like to do is how to let hope, hope in today. And we'll continue with another topic on hope next Sunday. But I would like to ask you this question. Would you agree with me that most of the information that we receive actually depletes our hope. In other words, like the news media, would you agree that most things that come our way are not very hopeful, they sort of suck it right out of us? Do you agree with that? Like the news and stuff like that. And so we need hope. And so that's what Easter's all about, is hope. And today we want to talk about that. So if you have your uh, outline out, you can go in and we'll begin now how to let hope in. The first thing I'd like you to write down is this. If you want to let hope in, is that we have to learn to release regrets. Release regrets. This is very difficult to do. And it's a part of the Easter story that most people don't talk about. We're, you know, we, that we talk about the cross of Christ. We talk about the resurrection. And we're going to hit that today as well. But we got to start here. Because before Jesus was crucified... There, he, was, he was betrayed. Matter of fact, there was a guy by the name of the Simon Peter who was Jesus' disciple. And Simon was his best man. I mean, like he was, his, he was his right-hand man. Simon was one of those guys that when Jesus walked on the water, Simon walked on the water with Jesus. He was there when he did the five loaves, or, uh, two fish and five loaves miracle. He said all the miracles. He was there. He was saying, and he told Jesus, I'll never, ever forsake you. You can count on me. And then we pick up the scripture and look what happens here. In Matthew 26, it says this. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and swore to them, I do not know the man. Immediately the rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me. Notice that. Three times. And watch this part. And he went outside and did what? Come on, shout out. He did what? Wept bitterly. He was broken. Why? Because he had just denied Christ. He just did the very thing that he said he'd never do. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand today, but I would dare to say that the majority of people sitting in this room today have experienced that moment. You did something in your life you said you'd never do. And when you do that, it causes regret. It causes regret. Regret is, is a harder emotion to get over than any other emotion you have. Why? Because it wasn't... You know, when someone else does something to you, we can say, well, that was them and they were bad and, 
You know, we can point the blame at them. But when we do it ourselves, when we do something like that, we cause pain ourselves, it's harder for us to forgive ourselves than anyone else. Would you agree with that? And so it's very, very difficult. You see, regret is reliving a bad experience over and over and over. When you keep playing it over and over again, here's what happens. When you, re- when you do that, you relive all the pain. It's like you recycle the emotions all over again of the difficult time that you had. So what we have to learn to do, if we're going to get past that and let go of regret, we have to learn to let it go. Now, i got to be honest with you. I'm not one of those people to let it go. I, I have tennis shoes in my basement that are over 10 years old. I mean, like, I, I you know, I... And again, I get a new pair probably about every two years or so, something like that. You know, but I have about three pair downstairs where I mow the lawn or whatever, and they're just there. Ron's like, why don't you throw those away? You can only wear one pair at a time. And I'm like, well, I might need them one day. And so, you know, as I'm standing here today telling you this, is that I have a struggle letting go go of things. Well, uh, I'd like you to know that, you know, uh, several years ago when I was in junior high school, or in middle school, my mom bought me what was a, a boom box. And it was a big box that was about this wide, about this long. And if you was in the 80s, you understand it. You know, that uh, it, was, it was cool. You remember those? Well, I had that boom box. And uh, as I was, had that boom box, I had it since the eighth grade. I took it through high school with me. I took it through, uh, you know, marriage. And I took it through when we had a child. And then Rhonda... Rhonda um, did something one day. I went to a meeting, and she decided to have a yard sale. And she sold my boombox that I'd held on to. It had, you know, it had the cassette player on it. It had the shortwave radio on it. it, it, it and matter of fact, some of you will have to Google what a cassette player is. It had all of that on it, and she got rid of it. That is where marriage counseling began for us. And she sold my stuff. You know, and so it's hard to let go of things, but you have to learn to let it go. You have to let it go. There's another guy in the Scripture I want to talk to you about, about this regret thing. His name is Judas. Judas Iscariot. Judas was a guy that, you know, that sold Jesus out. He, for, three, for 30 pieces of silver, he told him exactly where Jesus would be at the time he would be there. And he sold him out. Well, after he made the mistake, after he did that, he regretted it. And so he went back to the people and said, you know what? I want to give you your money back. Here you go. You can have it back. Let him go. He really is not that bad guy. Let him go. But guess what? They refused to do that. His regret was so bad. His regret was so bad that they, uh, that he, it led him to a deep, dark depression. Deep, dark depression. That depression took him to a point that actually took his life, his own life. So here's a lesson. You see, you can either let regret destroy you, or you can let uh, regret, you can confess it and let it heal you, let God heal you. And so this morning, you look at the Scripture, what it says. 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, and purify us from all our unrighteousness. But the part that we have to do is confess. You see, regret kills, but confession heals. 
And many of us need healing today. And the only way you're going to receive healing is that you have to confess, yes, what I did was wrong. Yes, it was hurtful. It was painful. It was difficult. Yes, yes, yes. I admitted I was wrong. When you do that, friend, it begins to bring healing to you. It's amazing how you can never get over something that you won't admit was wrong. I want to talk to you about this letting go. Let me show you one other thing. I have a bow and arrow right here. I have one that I can handle, by the way. Now, I know you think, okay, that's, this is my speed. But this is what, what we have to picture. When you hold on to regret, you just see the tensions like this. You're just holding back here. And what that is, remembering the past, remembering the past. And I want to tell you, it's great to reflect on the past so that you can gain wisdom from the past. But there comes a point in your life, if you're ever going to get better, you've got to let it go. You've got to let it go. And when you let it go, all those regrets and those things can get away from you and you can move on with your life and you can be free. But until you let it go, you can never be free. Today, I want to encourage you to let it go and let God do a healing in your life. Let me give this bow back here before I do something to harm somebody. I want to encourage you to, to let it go. As we look at this point here, I have the next step for you, and that is this. The next step says this, I will do my best to practice confession instead of regret. And that's what, I, if you're going to get better, you have to practice that. So, on your connection card, on the back of it, if you take your pen and you just check that box, now I, I'm going to do it. Would you say, I will do that, that I'm going to practice confession instead of regret? Because the reason I want you to do that is as soon as you take your pen and you mark that card, it seals something in your mind and then you can start getting better. And I want you to get better. Look at the second one with me. How do we let hope in? The second thing we do to let hope in is we receive forgiveness. I'm going to let you write that down, then I've got a zinger to tell you here. I wanted you to understand this. You can never, you cannot receive what you do not have room for. Did you hear that? If your life is consumed with something, you have no room to receive something else. If I had a cup right here, and it was filled with water, and if it was all the way to the top, there's no way I could put anything else in that. It would just be full of that, right? It would just be full. And so, today in your life, many of you are living with unforgiveness in your life, and you're just full. Your mind is full. Your spirit is full. Your heart is full. And you can't receive anything else. You can't get better. You just can't get better. Why? Because you're so full of, of unforgiveness. So today, the, the message of Jesus Christ and the message of the cross is that the, it's a place where you can come and you can come to the foot of the cross and you can pour your heart out to God that you can empty yourself that you may receive. That's what Easter is all about. It's about God saying, come to me and empty yourself that you can receive. That you can receive. The Scripture says this, Two other men, look at this, we're talking about the crucifixion. Both criminals were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called Skull, by the way, the reason that's called Skull is because the mountain that Jesus was crucified on looked like a skull. They crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on the right, the other on the left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Would you shout that out with me? You ready? Come on, let's do it. Father, forgive them. Come on, one more time, a little more passion. Father, forgive them. 
Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. What he was saying was this, is that I offer forgiveness before you even ask for it. I offer it, it's up to you to receive it. And the thing about forgiveness is forgiveness empowers you. You see, as long as you're walking around with with unforgiveness in your heart, you have no power. You are bound up. But when you go to the foot of the cross and you say, Jesus, I'm sorry, you're not just confessing anymore. You see, there's a lot of people that confess today, aren't they? I mean, isn't that what Jerry Springer is all about? I mean, bringing the, the craziest people they can find and let them just bring all their stuff right there on television and tell the whole world how stupid they are. I wonder what those people do when they go back and watch the footage. I mean, seriously. Matter of fact, some people do it on Facebook, don't they? They go, you know, they'll tell everybody, I'm dealing with this, I'm struggling with this right now, blah, 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 and just tell the whole world. Everybody likes to confess, but confession doesn't change you. Like if you're moving this way and you're still saying, well, I'm sorry I'm going this way. I shouldn't be doing this. I know I shouldn't do this. I know it's wrong. You can confess all day long, but until you, through the power of forgiveness, you repent. You say, God, I'm sorry, and you receive that power of forgiveness. Then you do a 180, and you can go this way. You see what that, that does? It's through the power of forgiveness that you get to change directions in your life, and you don't have to live that way anymore. So those of you that are here today asking me, you know, well, 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross. So what? I'll tell you what. It releases power within you today to be forgiven. The good news is this, is that, man, you know what? I may have done something a long time ago to that hurt other people, but I've confessed that before Almighty God, and I've asked them to forgive me. And if anybody else holds that against me, that's their problem. It's not mine. I'm sorry. I repented of it. And now I'm walking on in a new life and a new hope. See, that's power. That's power of forgiveness. And that's what God wants you to have. Why do you need forgiveness? Two reasons. Here we go. The first one is this, is that you were not created to carry all the baggage you carry around. You were not designed to carry guilt around. You were not designed to carry shame around. You were not designed to carry around hatred around. You were not designed to... That's why your body begins to shut down. If you begin to internalize all that stuff, you will shut down. You'll go into depression. You'll have anxiety. It will just turn turmoil on the inside of you. You want to know what a picture of full-blown sin looks like? Here it is. Look on the screen with me. That's a picture of it. That's what sin will do to you. You see, it was our sins that Jesus bore. Remember? He was going to the cross for our sins. It was our sins that killed Jesus. And, and Jesus is a picture on the cross of what sin will do to you. It will mutilate you. It will destroy you. That's why God says, you know, I don't want you to do these things because it hurts you. It hurts you. It, you know, it makes you lose disrespect for yourself. It hurts you. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, you know what? Well, I looked in the mirror this morning and I don't look like that. No, on the outside, you don't. But the truth of the matter is, if we could walk right inside of you and see your heart. Some of you sitting here today, it's bleeding really bad. It's got scars and it's hurting because of choices that you made that's been outside of God's will. And so that's what the cross is all about, so that you can come and empty all of that right there. And every time you pray, you're at the foot of the cross saying, Jesus, I'm sorry, forgive me. And when you do, He forgives you and cleanses you. and makes you into a whole new person. Matter of fact, the Bible says this in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is what? It's death. Come on, shout that out. The wages of sin is what? It's death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
I, I read a story by Andy Stanley who was sharing a message such as this. And as he was sharing the message with the people, he's talked about, you know, how that when you live a life outside of sin, it harms you. And, and a lady come to him after his service and she said, you know, uh, Andy, I don't agree with that. She said, all this stuff, she said, everybody's talking about this goody two shoes, you know, never having sex outside of marriage. She said, that's old. She said, that's old school, you know. That's just phony baloney. He said, well, let me ask you a question, ma'am. He says, has your life gotten more complicated or less complicated by having sex outside of marriage? And it stunned her. Because just for a moment, she she relived some past pain. And she said, I have to admit, it's caused me more complications, more pain. See, that's why God doesn't want you to sin. The second thing that's, the reason that we need to be forgiveness is that you receive the power to forgive other people. You receive the power to forgive other people. When you receive forgiveness, guess what? It makes room. Remember we talked about the cup. It's like pouring it out. It makes room for you to forgive other people. We struggle with this. In Matthew 6, Jesus in the Lord's Prayer tells us how forgiveness works. He says this. He says, and forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. See what he was saying? He was saying, when I forgive you, when you receive my forgiveness, then you can give forgiveness. You don't give forgiveness first and then receive God's forgiveness. You can't give away what you don't have. So you receive God's forgiveness, then you give forgiveness. You receive God's forgiveness, then you forget, then you give forgiveness. Now, many of you have heard this. Hurting people hurt people. You ever heard that? Hurting people hurt people. That is so true. People that are marked on the inside hurt people. But this is what I want you to know. Forgiven people. Freed people. Free people. Did you hear that? Freed people. People that's been forgiven. And someone's done something to you, but when you realize I've been forgiven, I, I sinned against God, and He's forgiven me freely, then now I am free, and now that I am free, I can free others. That's the most powerful words you'll ever hear, and if you get that today, it will change your life forever. Freed people, free people. Look what the Bible says in Colossians 1 and 14. God has purchased our freedom with His blood and has forgiven all. Would you say that word with me? Ready? All. Come on, shout it out. All. And forgiven all of our sins. All. Would you look at me just a moment? Every one of you in the eye. God has forgiven all. Did you hear that? A-L-L. You say, Pastor Jeff, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what's happened to me. You don't know what I've experienced. I'm telling you, I'm, I would look you right in the eye and say, no, I don't know. He knows, but I know that when he was on that cross and he said, Father, forgive them, he didn't just say some sins. He said, all, oh, when you ask God to forgive, no matter what you've done, no matter, no matter how many times you've done it, no matter if you said, God, I'll never do that again, and you repeated it, God says, I forgive all when you ask. Aren't you glad about that? Come on, let's give God a hand for His forgiveness. Forgive all. It's at this point to where I would like to invite you to receive God's complete forgiveness. Many of you sitting here today, you know, we're just not sure about your relationship with God. 
And I want to take this moment right now, right now, to give you the opportunity to receive Christ and become a Christ follower. I wrote a prayer down. I put it in your program because I didn't want you to miss a word of it. And today I'm going to read this prayer, and it's a prayer, and if you read it with me, and you mean it with me, then friend, today you can become a Christ follower. So you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to walk forward, you don't have to do any of that stuff right now, right where you sit, if you mean it just between you and God. Look what it says. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and help me to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. If you read that, it's just between you and God. If you read that and you meant it sometime before you leave the service today on the back of your connection card, there's a box right at the top that says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower today. If you just sometime before you leave, just check that box so that we can pray for you this week. Change everything. Number three. This is where it gets exciting. Number three is this. is Live in the expectation of a third day miracle. If you're going to let hope in. Live in the expectation of a third day miracle. The Easter story is a three-day story. Friday, I would like to talk to you about Friday, what we call Good Friday. Good Friday was not a Good Friday for believers. If you were a Christ follower, and there was many people that did follow Jesus, He had His disciples, He had other followers that were, that were there when He was being crucified. And as, as they watched Him... All their hope, they had hope within him that he was going to do some great miracle and stop it. Remember, they had watched Jesus feed the 5,000. They'd watched Jesus walk on water. They'd watched Jesus touch blinded eyes and they would be open. They had seen him just speak the words and people's ears be opened up. They saw him actually raise the dead. Lazarus was raised from the dead. They saw that with their own eyes. They knew that he had the power to do whatever needed to be done. They knew he had the power. So when, when, the, when the crucifixion started on Friday, as Jesus was walking out and he was all bloody because he had been beaten, he had 40, uh, 39 stripes laid upon his back. When he had those stripes laid upon his back and he began to walk with that cross, all of the onlookers that were believers that had followed him they were not looking in the same eyes that everybody else was looking with. The crowd that was hated him wanted to stay expected to see him suffer. They wanted him to die. They thought he was a that they thought he was a false prophet. He needed to die. But the believers, they were looking in every step of the way. They were as Jesus would take a step. They see him going with the cross and the crown of thorns on his head. They would see him stumble as a whip went across his back. He would stumble and fall. And as he would stumble and fall, all of a sudden the, the believers would think, okay, well right now, when he gets back up, he's going to throw this cross off. He's going to tell all those Roman soldiers, this is enough. You're not doing this to me anymore. And that right now I'm going to declare that I'm the Son of God and I have all power and you're going to stop treating me this way. But he didn't do it then. 
So as he went on up the hill, they watched him as someone slapped him in the face. They sped on him, and they watched people literally grab his beard and pull it out till it pulled him to the ground, and he fell to the ground again. And as he fell to the ground again, all the onlookers, the believers like you and me, were saying, okay, now this time he's had enough. He's going to get up this time. You know, it's like watching a Rocky fighting match, you know. Okay, we know he's going to get up. When is it going to be? He's going to get up. And that's what they were thinking. Okay, he's going to get up. And as they pulled his beard out and he fell down, he didn't get back up. He didn't do it. He got back up. He didn't say, I'm the son of God. They forced him back up. He started walking again. When he got to the top of the hill, they laid the cross down. They put his body on the cross. They took a nail out. They drove it in his feet. They slung his hands open and they drove nails in his hands. And the onlookers were thinking, okay, I know this is enough. He's going to say no more. You can't do this. I have the power. He's going to stop them. But he didn't do it. Finally, they raised him up on that cross. When the cross went into the ground, it shook his whole body till it tore his, his flesh. And the onlookers are thinking, okay, he's went as far as he's going to go. He's going to let him take him within an inch of his life. And I know that he's going to come off that cross. a matter of fact, someone in the crowd shouted, if you really are the son of God, get down off of that cross. And so everybody was waiting. We know it's going to happen. They were waiting. Okay, it's going to happen now. But it didn't happen. Finally, he breathed his last breath. His head went to his chest. And just to make sure that he was dead, there was a Roman soldier on the side of Jesus with a big spear and stuck it right within his side here to pierce him. And the blood continued to flow. As that happened, everybody in that crowd that was a follower, something happened inside of them. It was like you took your fist and you just reached inside of them with an open hand and you took their heart and you ripped it out because they had believed Him They believed that He was the Son of God. And if He really would have been the Son of God, He would have stopped all that. So now there's a void and there's an emptiness. Everything they believed in. Have you ever had someone that you believe in let you down? You know how the hurt that that, the pain that that brings, the humiliation that brings. They were humiliated. They were hurt. And they were in shock that their Savior had died. That was Friday. Saturday came. Saturday was worse than Friday. You know why? Because they got to sit around and replay it over and over in their mind. How they had believed in Him. How they told everybody He was the One. He was the Messiah. He was the Son of God. He was it. And now they're sitting around. The shock is wearing off. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't a nightmare. His body is in the tomb. He's finished. He's done. All their hopes and dreams died. And many of you sitting here today... You're walking through a Friday moment right now to where it seems like one bad thing after another is happening in your life. And some of you are in a Saturday moment to where something horrible has happened and you're just sort of shaking yourself right now in disbelief that it happened. And you're in shock and that's the way they were. But the good news about Easter is this. Is that Easter is a three-day story. It's not a one-day story. It's not a two-day story. It's a three-day story. As Rhonda and I were in Israel, we learned the Jewish tradition. The Jewish tradition is this, is that when a body, when they would put a body in a tomb, they would go early on the third morning to pronounce that person dead because they felt like that maybe the spirit of that person was still within the body even though they couldn't see them. And so they would, they would go 
And they would go to the tomb and they would pronounce them dead. I want you to look into the Scripture because we have a third day experience right here. Look at what it says in Luke 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. The men said to them, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Would you read? Oh, here's our hope right here. Would you read what's underlined with me out loud? You ready? Here we go. He is not here. He has... One more time. You ready? Out loud. Here we go. He is not here. He has risen. He's risen. Friday, it looked like it was over. Saturday confirmed that it was over. But on Sunday, God said, it's not over. And on the third day, Jesus got out of the tomb. And because He lives, we can live. Now, I know you say that was 2,000 years ago, Jeff. I want you to know, Ron and I just got back from Israel again. And we went to the garden tomb of Jesus. And there's a picture of it coming on the screen now. As we went to this tomb, I want you to know, I didn't take anybody's word for it that he wasn't there anymore. I myself walked into that tomb. I want to tell you, I surveyed every inch of that tomb. And I can tell you, as of 2,000 years ago, as of 2015, he is not there. He has risen indeed. There is no sign of his body. He has risen, amen? He's risen indeed. He's risen the third day. The third day is a reminder that God does His best work in hopeless situations. Do you know that's what the resurrection is all about? It's to show you that no matter what's going on in your life, in your marriage, at work, or in your finances, no matter what's going on, how bad it may be in your body right now, I want you to know the Easter story is all about it's not too bad for God to intervene. That's what it's all about. When everybody says, he's done, he's dead, put him away. God says, no, that's when I do my best work. You see, hope was resurrected when Jesus was resurrected. Hope came alive. My hope is based on a God who can do the impossible. Look at the next verse with me, Ephesians 1 and 19. Paul says, I want you to know about this great and mighty power that God has for us followers. In the same way, in the same wonderful power, he used to raise, he, when he raised Christ from the dead and let him sit at his right hand in heaven. In other words, that power is within you. If you're a believer, you have a power, you have hope, and you have to let it in. Thursday was a horrible day for me. Horrible. I just went to see one of uh, our attenders here. Her name was Nail Burner, and she just passed away. I was coming home I was on Wesley Chapel. I got off 20 on Wesley Chapel, coming down 155, and you go down Wesley Chapel a little ways, and it goes into two lanes, and right before you get to Fanola Road, I, I come up the, over the hill, and I come around a corner, and there's just been a horrible car accident. Horrible. Three cars involved. And I mean, it just had happened. There was only a, a car that was in front of me, so we, we pulled over immediately, and we began to survey the damage, and, and there, there was three vehicles, and one vehicle had been head, hit head on, and there was a young girl, and there was a mother in that car. And the mama was bleeding pretty bad, and, and, but the daughter was trapped within the car. The roof had caved in and, and pushing her head back against the seat. We could not get her out. Her breathing was... <gasps> It was, I've been with people that are dying and it was that kind of rattle that was going on. 
And I want you to know, you say, I don't believe in this Easter stuff. I want to tell you something, friend, I believe. I was standing there as I was looking and trying to do something to help, waiting on the paramedics to come. And all of a sudden, there was people all around the car. And this person over here began to say, oh, in the name of Jesus. This person over here began to say, oh, Jesus, you got this power. This person said, you got the power. This person said, you got the power. And there was another person that come. I didn't lead it. I was a pastor. I didn't lead it. I was just praying myself. And there's a lady that come in. She reached in that car. She put her hand on it. She said, I want you to know, because Jesus lived, you can live. You don't have to die. That's the hope that we have through Easter, that you can live. I want you to know that young lady began to breathe. She began to breathe. We saw the power of Almighty God come in there. People that did not know each other, but we knew in a crisis moment when we don't know what else to do and all hope is gone and it looks like life is leaving our relationship. It looks like it's leaving our body. Is that we can call on Jesus. Amen? Come on, let's give him a hand. Who will you call on? Who do you call on? I'm telling you, it didn't matter that day. It didn't matter. Our titles didn't matter. It just mattered that we all knew God. And we believed. You see the resurrection. You don't have to be helpless and hopeless is what it says. The resurrection announces that God's not giving up on you. He shouts that I've not given up on you. He's making all things new. And many of you sitting here, you say, Pastor Jeff, you don't know my life's been destroyed. No, no, no. He makes all things new. All things new. And the question I have for you today is, will you let hope in? Will you believe? Will you believe? Will you trust? And will you today on this Easter Sunday, one more time, open up your heart to let hope in? Would you stand with us now? Our prayer partners are coming forward. As you stand this morning, I beg you not to leave this place today until you in your own way have said your own prayer for your own need. Or maybe today you want to come forward and let one of these guys pray with you. That's what they're here to do. But I challenge you in the name of Jesus Christ is open up your heart and you receive that hope today before you leave. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. God, that when there seems like there is no hope, that if we will just open up our heart just a little bit, God, you will let hope shine in. There's people in this room, God, that are facing divorce. There's people in this room that are facing financial crisis. God, there's people in this room that are facing, Lord, trouble with their children. Lord, there's people in this room that are facing trouble, Lord, at school, at work, with parents. And God, it seems like no hope. But today we've come to you, who is the God of all hope. And we bring it at your feet. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you again so much for joining us online at SCC. I would love to know that you're out there listening and be able to connect with you. If you would, email me at jeffdaws at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S. I pray you have a blessed week and join us again soon.